Welcome to QAV. This is episode 627, recorded on the 4th of July, 2023, our first show for the new financial year. And this is the free version of the show. There's a longer version that's exclusive to our QAV club members. This version basically has some clips from that show. If you're new to QAV, my name is Cameron Riley, and basically I chat with my old friend Tony Kynaston. Tony's a very successful investor. He's been doing it about 30 years. He has uh, an average annual return of about double the market average, and he's developed a system to guide his investing called QAV, Quality at Value, basically buying shares in good quality companies that have a long track record of generating a lot of cash when you can get them at a discount to their intrinsic value. And that's what we teach on our show and in our QAV club, how to use Tony's methodology. So let's get started with the first clip from today's show. We're actually going to be chatting with Tony's daughter, Alex. She's in her early 20s and she's got a question from one of her friends about getting started in investing. What do you have uh, in terms of a question for your dad today, Alex? Make it as uncomfortable as possible. Ask him anything about your childhood, your upbringing, you know, (laughs) when are you going to get your hands on the money? Yeah. Like just really, you know, take this opportunity to make him squirm. That's my tip. Okay. Well, maybe for future weeks. (laughs) I do have a question planned for this week. Actually, it's a two-parter, if that's all right. (laughs) It's more of posing a scenario and then getting your response. I have a friend who wants to try investing. He's getting a tax return back soon (laughs) and he's decided to use some of that money to invest. And his plan at the moment is to put the majority into ETFs, some into a few single stocks, and then he wants to use like $100 to play around with crypto, (laughs) which I laughed at, but it seems like a very young male thing to do, so (laughs) I couldn't really discourage that. But (laughs) Yeah, so that's kind of the scenario. What would you do if you were in a similar position as a, you know, young guy starting out the tax return? Yeah, well, it's, it's a good question. Probably something similar. I wouldn't do the crypto, obviously. If it's only a hundred bucks, fine. But I, I don't know. Is there? A, I don't know crypto, so there might that might be a parcel which is too small to even trade it. But yeah, I'd, I'd steer clear of crypto. It's as we've said before. It's as, as Buffett has said. It's wrapped poison squared, and there's no no use for it unless you're a, a drug runner or a some something you know in the on the dark web that's criminally oriented. Oriented. So uh, yeah, I. I the problem with not if it if you can't value it or know what it's used for, you you, you don't know when to buy or sell. Um, so that's the issue with crypto. Uh, yeah, I mean ETFs cover such a wide span of different things now. I'd be interested to know more about what kind of ETF your friend was considering. If it was an index fund, I'd say sure, go for it, or an index type ETF. Uh, so you're exposed to the market, and and as we've seen before with people like the Steve Samatino, who's been on the show, it's that's a set and forget way of investing and building wealth. So that's good. But there are ETFs for all sorts of things now. So I'd be careful about which ones your friend is wanting to buy and make sure that it's a very simple ETF that's investing um, in an index, whether it's, I, I'd stick to Australia, but you know, if you wanted to buy a world index or a US index, I think that's fine too, as long as there aren't any currency or tax risk with that. Um, so in other words, some of the local index, sorry, some of the local ETFs will do that for you and do it all in Australian dollars um, and take all the currency and tax risks themselves. 
which is good. Uh, but yes, an Australian index ETF is good. We we started off this show talk the series talking about the uh, the investment ladder, and certainly buying an index fund is on the first rung of that ladder. So get your feet wet, get onto the ladder, um, understand what buying ETFs involves, and you know how to treat your dividends and and how to deal with a broker and setting up accounts, all that kind of thing how it affects your tax um, and just learn to understand it by doing it. And that might lead on to other things like, you know, constructing a portfolio yourself um, once you understand more about the stock market. And and likewise, similar advice for the individual stocks that they're buying. I'd be interested to know what they are and why your friend wants to buy them. Um, again, if it's like something, something that is a fad rather than be, like a boom rather than being a sold investment i'd be careful with it but if your friend wants to buy you know a large blue chip company that uh, that is going to be around for a long time then then i wouldn't have a problem with that too again get to understand it get to get to get, get to experience it and start to think about when to buy and when to sell which are important things and uh, thanks yep Thanks for casting aspersions as to the reason my friend wants crypto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of crypto. It's, no. I think it's a pump and dump. Yeah, myself. no, I'm not either. Yeah, yeah no, I, I yeah, definitely laughed at him a bit <laughs> when he said that. But, um, I think so. I think his plan is in six months, once he's had a run with the return, to start putting a bit of savings into whatever has worked. So, yeah, I'm hoping that the crypto doesn't work. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't know what kind of single stocks he's looking at, but they would be blue chips, I think, mm-hmm. bigger ones. And then so part two to my question would be if a young person like one of my friends was interested in QAV, what kind of situation could they do? Because, I mean, we don't have a lot of expendable cash, but <laughs> if they had enough to start investing or interested, would you say just start on the in- investment ladder and work your way up to QAB or is there kind of a way that we could go about it now? No, you can go about it now. There are platforms out there which do cheap stock market trading and usually about $10 a, uh, a stock. You know, the recommended portfolio would be 15 to 20 stocks. So you know, you probably want to have a portfolio of maybe, you know, at least a few thousand dollars, five thousand dollars to ten thousand dollars to to start off to make to make sure you're not being eaten up by all the fees involved in owning the shares. Yeah, I think that's a, a great thing to do. And of course, the other thing, the other thing about QAV is you, the subscriptions can eat into your returns as uh, as well. So you've just got to be trying to got to try and figure out a way to do that on the cheap, which is why we set up QAV Lite for small portfolios and for people to get involved in the process. And then as their, um, as their capital grows, they can think about doing it themselves through the full subscription service. Yeah. Hey, cool. Thank you. You got any, got any figures, Cam, on the sort of smaller end of our listener base and what sort of number you need to have to get started? Yeah, I get questions from people who are thinking about being live subscribers or are live subscribers from time to time about, you know, how much do you really need to, you know, make it worthwhile? And I, you know, I think it's, uh, I think I last time I did, I think about 10,000. Because if you yeah. look at, if you look at, if you're trying to build a portfolio of 15 to 20 stocks, um, let's say you have 20,000, let's say you have 10,000 to start with. So you're doing, let's say $500 parcels of 20 stocks, your brokerage fees, 
somewhere between, I don't know, five and 20 bucks, depending on which online broker you're using. Mm-hmm. So every time you buy and sell out of that 50 bucks, you're losing five, 10, 20 bucks. And it, it sort of, if you're doing a lot of rule ones, as we have been, and three PTLs, as Jason's uh, numbers said before, like he's done 50 sells over the last couple of years, 50 times, let's say 10 bucks on average, there's 500 bucks out of your portfolio that's going on brokerage every time you sell, plus another 500 bucks every time you reply something. This is a thousand bucks out of your 10,000. So 10% of your money in that, say, 18 month period is going on brokerage fees. And then you've got a, a light subscription on top of that, another you know, 30 bucks a month. So you need to, you do need to have a certain amount of money for the maths to add up, even if your QAV portfolio over the long term is delivering a 15 to 20% return after you take out the brokerage costs, uh, particularly in a very turbulent period, you know, it's it starts to eat into that performance. 10,000, let's say it, uh, let's say, let's say it's even a 20% return on average year after year. That's 2,000. If you've got a thousand dollars in brokerage coming out of that, that brings it down to a 10% return. If you're getting a 15% return, 10% brings it down to a 5% return, the brokerage costs. So at that point, might be better off putting yeah. your money in an ETF, right? Or a bank. I mean, these days yeah. you can get 5% on the long-term or even short-term deposits, three, three-month deposits. Yeah. So that's got to be an option as well. Yeah. And if you have a more you know, concentrated portfolio, like in periods, like we've had long periods, I know, with the dummy portfolio where we haven't traded for six months. Anything. We've just mm. been sitting on it during the good times. But obviously the last year, it's been way more turbulent than that. And it, it's going to eat into your capital if you've only got a small amount of capital. So yeah, I think, you know, 10, 20,000 and up is probably a good starting point for when they want to maybe think about getting more hands on. Yeah, I'd agree. And you can still apply like three PTLs and rule ones and everything to ETFs as well. Absolutely, so I yeah. I guess that's kind of an application of the process, yes. even if you're not using the same stocks. Yes, definitely. I think that's a really good point. You could, if you're buying a an index fund, you can use those two ways of, of buying in and out of them to maximise your returns. What I've recommended to a couple of QAV light inquiries that haven't had a lot of capital to start with is to do a paper portfolio, like you've suggested many times. Listen to the podcast learn the process, do a paper portfolio while you're building up your capital. If you have some capital right now, you know, you, you might want to speak to a financial advisor and then put it into an ETF or into the bank or something like that while you're getting ready. But learn the process, you know, take six months, a year, two years, learn it. And then when you have the capital, you'll know what to do with it. You know? Yeah, it's a good point. I wish I'd learned this process when I was 18 or 20 or 25 <laughs> or 50. Uh, you know, <laughs> would have made a huge difference to my life if I'd known how to do this 30 years ago. I'd still be broke because I still would have had three marriages and failed startups, but still, at least I'd be smarter. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Good questions. Thanks, Al. No, no worries. All right. I'll see yeah. you guys next week. Yeah, thanks for being part of our show. Yeah, Thank you, Al. No worries. Bye. Okay. All right, now the second segment from the show is going to be what we call Tony's Pulled Pork, which is basically where he picks a stock that's on our buy list each week and he does a deep dive into it, pulls it apart. 
I don't know why we ended up calling it a pulled pork at some stage, but we did. And here it is this week. It's on URW. Yeah, URW. Now, bearing in mind your comments that it might be hard to buy if uh, some of the platforms don't allow it. I haven't asked my stockbroker yet whether he would do it, but I'm sure he would if um, for a price. Yeah, that's probably how stockbrokers work mm. without casting aspersions on Alex, who's a good guy. URW stands for Uni Bale Redamco Westfield, three names in its title, and I believe that's because they were merged. They were separate companies who merged over time. The last one being Westfield, which people in Australia will be familiar with as being probably the biggest operator of shopping centres in Australian history. Um, but but those Australian shopping centres are still listed in Australia separately under uh, a na- the name of Centre Group. Um, so we're talking about the overseas Westfield shopping centres. Because Westfield grew to be a, a worldwide uh, owner and manager of shopping centres, and it was run by the Lowy family, I don't know how many years ago now, say five years ago or so, uh, they decided to sell out and uh, get out of the business, which they did. And because they knew the business very well, um, they picked the top of the market. And so URW has been kind of going down since then and recently turned up. And and to be fair to URW, one of the reasons it's been going down is that shopping centres are probably the hardest, if not one of the hardest hit sectors uh, when COVID struck. So, you know, when COVID struck, people couldn't go out to shopping centres or they didn't feel safe going out even when they were allowed to go out to shopping centres. And they started to get more and more uh, online purchases and deliveries at home and that infrastructure got better and more robust. And so, you know, retail trends have moved. And it's really only about now that URW are starting to say they're getting back to the pre-COVID levels with their business. So they've done it tough for a while. It's recently become a three-point trend line uh, upgrade, so a three-point trend line buy. Um, And in fact, it just went across the second buy line today, which is the reason why I picked it. But it is the the very first uh, stock on top of our list. So I think it was worth going into even though people may find it's difficult to buy because it doesn't it trades in Australia on, on what's called as a CDI so it's a it's a um, I think CDI stands for custodial deposit um, instrument something like that but it basically means the shares are listed overseas and there's a, like a back-to-back custodial ownership here so someone is sitting in the middle and they're buying shares for you on the overseas exchange in this case it's either Paris or Amsterdam and then um, holding those shares and then issuing you with a note saying, hey, we own 20 shares of UIW on behalf of you. So just I just wanted to be clear about that. There is apparently a French tax involved on the purchase of those shares by overseas people. So that will be, that needs to play into your mix. So if anyone's interested in doing this, they need to do their own research on, on how to buy it and what the costs are and what the, um, what the me- mechanism is for doing it. Uh, but um, it's still compelling to look at. It is the highest stock on our buy list, and we'll get to the numbers soon, but the P for this company is only 0.27, and the the prop cap is currently um, 0.17 times. So you, it's, 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 very, it's a very cheap stock on our buy list, and I think the reason, what's, some of the reasons for that might be this difficulty in buying it, um, from from our perspective, and it might also be that uh, you know that's been going down 
over the last few years because of COVID and perhaps the peak of the the, um, the shopping centre market as well. Uh, a bit about the company, it's um, they operate 78 shopping centres in 12 different countries and 45 of those centres carry the Westfield brand. So they do have uh, other shopping centres because this company, the UR part of URW has been around for a long time. Uh, but they also have other real estate investments and about 10% of their revenue is in offices and also in exhibition venues. And they also get a fair bit of revenue from selling advertising in the shopping centers. So they're they're predominantly shopping centered um, in nature, but they also have other property assets and other revenue streams. Uh, The latest update that they've provided suggests that um, the rental income is up nearly 8% year on year from the tenants. The tenant sales are up uh, 12% year on year. And that's important because sometimes a lot of these rental agreements have a percentage of sales component to them. So it's important to Westfield. Uh, and their rental collections are at 95% year on year. So, and vacancies are at 6.5%. And they're two important metrics um, to, to look at for a, this kind of company because uh, it's it's one thing to have tenants, but if they're going broke and not paying their rent, you've got to get them out quickly and find some way of collecting the rent or replacing them. So uh, a large part of the work they do is uh, is in making sure that the centres work well for the tenants, but when they don't, moving quickly to try and plug that leak. Uh, and then the last thing to to be aware of is that it's um, it's these it's it's basically a real estate investment trust, which is what we call them in Australia, REITs. Um, but it's a property. It's a property company. It has property assets, and they get revalued every year, up or down. Um, and it's usually done. Well, it's done by an independent valuer, and it's done so that they can accurately reflect as their assets what the value is. Um, but of course, there is a bit of scope there for that to be. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? That to be a a benchmarking exercise rather than necessarily the the value you get for the assets if you sold them tomorrow. Um, so you've got to be aware of that. Uh, in other words, the assets can vary when it comes time to realize them. Uh, and also the profit, Some in some years, if there's been a sudden burst in, in the value of property, uh, then the profit can look really healthy when in fact it's, it's and, it, and it is, but it's not a cash profit, if that makes sense. It's the value of the assets going up and down both ways. Um, and the last thing to be aware of is that it is a, um, a real estate company again. So they are, their profit is also driven by what they have in the development pipeline and what they're getting rid of, their disposal. So again, sometimes profit can be reflective of that they've sold assets. And in fact, um, if you look at, uh, you know, one of the things I looked at with this company was their balance sheet and their their assets have been decreasing over the last three or four years and so has equity and their liability. So I suspect that when things weren't going well during COVID, they propped up their um, their profits um, or reduced their losses by selling some of the underperforming shopping centres. Um, so, yeah, that's there's a few dynamics going on here, not just retail sales that you need to be aware of. And they do come with their own set of risks and, and benefits, I guess. Uh, so, yep, do your research on this one. Um, to go through the numbers and why it's a compelling stock from a QAV point of view, and it's a large stock, even though it's uh, not listed in Australia, there's still um, about $1.4 billion of average daily trade for it. 
the share price I'm doing the numbers at is $3.85. Uh, and a couple of interesting other things is that there's 0% yield on this company. So no dividends have been paid for a number of years, which makes sense if they were doing it tough during COVID and they are selling assets. Uh, I suspect that that might be uh, an upside risk for the company is that if things have returned to normal for them, we may see a resumption of dividend payments, which would be an attractive thing for some shareholders and would support the share price in improving. Stock Doctor Financial Health is strong and recovering. So as I said, it's been through some tough times, but it's recovering. So this this latest results are really strong compared to the past results, um, which is uh, you know, one of the reasons why the stock price is turning around. Uh, the PE is only 0.27, which is the lowest in the last three years. Um, be pretty hard to get less than that. Uh, prop calf 0.17 times, as I said, is very, very cheap, uh, which equates to an IV1, bearing in mind those two things, of $74, and the current share price is 385 So again, on a valuation metric, this is well below what it could trade for normally. There is no IV2 because we don't have a forecast. And that was interesting, I thought, in itself, a large, a very large company, you know, $1.4 billion traded every day, doesn't have any brokerage coverage giving us consensus forecast. So that may be the case if, if there is difficulty in buying these shares from overseas. But on the flip side, if they're trading $1.4 billion a day, someone's buying them, right? So you must be able to buy them mm. um, in Australia. So I don't, I, I don't know the situation well enough to know what's going on, but someone's buying them. Uh, it's it's a recent three-point trend uptick for us, so uh, that's a good thing. As I said before, equity hasn't been consistently increasing, so it doesn't get a score for that. So on the, on the things we can score, it gets 12 out of 12, which is 100%, and part of that is because some of these items have a score of two. So... Uh, even though we couldn't score it on yield and things like that, it's being made up for in other ways. And the QAV score is 5.75. Um, when you consider that, you know, we're normally buying stocks in the 0.1 to 0.2 sort of range for QAV scores, that's a that's a huge score. So numbers are very compelling on this one. Do your own research and not just into the company, but also in ways to buy it and what the cost might be and who's the custodian for you. The, yeah, and and also too, you find you might find there's very little market coverage for this stock. In terms of risks on it, rising interest rates are obviously a risk for property companies, as we're seeing around the world in, and in Australia for for the companies listed here. But this company has plenty of cash, and they're saying that they have their borrowing locked in at reasonable rates. So we, I believe them on that that uh, side of things because they know how, they would know the sensitivity to interest rates, and they'd be very wary of. of of, well, they'd be very diligent at focusing on that. And interest rates will affect them both from the borrowing cost sides to fund the acquisitions of, of these shopping centres, but also they will affect consumer spend. So the people who are spending in their shopping centres will be affected by interest rates. So that's definitely a risk. The other thing is that part of the portfolio is office space, and we're seeing we're seeing write-downs in that sector all the time because people haven't returned to the office 100%. They're still working from home in, in large quantities. So there could be some write-downs coming for the office part of the portfolio, but it is only less than 10%. So it may not be a material thing. And as I said, if the company is returning to a steady state, sort of steady as she goes, post-COVID equilibrium, then they may well reinstate their dividend, which would be an upside benefit for the stock price. So that's URW, an amazing score, but do your own research.
And if anybody out there does manage to buy URW, let us know. Let us know how. Yeah, yeah how you went about it. Yeah. yeah. And it's been on our buy list, up the top of our buy list, it seems like, for six months. Yeah, since their last results. Yeah. It's crazy. And we've never bought mm. it because it's... Well, it's been a falling knife, hasn't it? Yeah. We've never been able yeah. to buy it. It's been sentimented out of our process. <laughs> and even now... Okay, well, that's the free episode for this week. If you're interested in learning more about Tony and the QAV system, you should go and listen to episode 301. You can find it in your podcast app or you can find it uh, if you scroll down on the front page of our website, qavpodcast.com.au. 301's the episode where Tony gives a little bit of his background, how he got started in investing, how he developed the system, and we start to explain the fundamentals of how it works. So you can check that out. And if you have any questions, you can shoot me an email, cr at qavpodcast.com.au. Follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our mailing list, and uh, good luck with your investing this week. We'll be back next week. QAV Podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129217182. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions. Thank you.